0: My dear friends welcome to zenpod once again in the studios we have somebody today who gave up his plush corporate job to contribute to society for the benefit of the ecosystem please join me in welcoming bhavani singh shekhawat bhavani singh is a widely respected well-traveled and internationally experienced leader after a career of a few decades in the corporate world where he led large multinational business and global teams in organizations, including Nielsen, Ricketts Benkisar, and Coca-Cola. He has now committed himself to a life of service. Bhavani currently leads the Akshay Patra Foundation, a global leader in food for education, as a CEO, Europe, and as a trustee on the board. He is a mentor, a top leadership coach, and an advisor. Bhavani serves on a number of boards in a non-executive and advisory capacity including the Adhyayan Foundation, which he co-founded, the Vedika Scholars Program and Women's Alliance, and Haiku Jam. A highly sought after speaker and thought leader, Bhavani is a listed member of the London Bureau of Speakers on Customer Centricity, Insight, Innovation and Leadership. Bhavani lives in London, UK. Please join me in welcoming Bhavani Singh Shekawat to ZenPod for a scintillating conversation on how we can make a difference and an impact on the society. Hello, friends. Uh, Welcome to ZenPod once again. um, We have um, a very interesting personality on our studios today. Uh, Mr. Bhavani Singh Shekawad, and as I mentioned in my intro to you, he was a very well sought-after leader in the corporate field and then one day decided to uh, move to a very, very impactful uh, arena. We will talk more about it. So, Bhavani, welcome to the studios
1: and thank you very much. Thank you, Venki. Thank you for having me.
0: And hello, listeners. Thank you. Um, my, my trademark question to you, in your scheme of things, Bhavani, what is spirituality?
1: I think spirituality is really coming in the closest possible contact with the very, very best version that you are. Um, call it the spirit, call it the soul, call it your deepest self. I think spirituality is experiencing that self in the most honest and in the least judgmental manner. And to me, that engagement is an engagement with being spiritual. Wow. It's very, very, very
0: succinctly put. So uh, we will revisit that later on. But tell us, tell us the evolution of Bhavani from a corporate CEO to actually doing what you're doing today, which is so, which is so very nice. But please tell us.
1: Um, yeah, I think it might be an evolution. Um, I think evolution is a much better word than progression. It is progression, of course. But uh, but Venki, I grew up in a typical middle-class household with very, very strong feudal values. So I come from okay. a Rajput family. Um, oh, okay. And a Rajput family that sent most of its families to the Indian Armed Forces. Wow. Whether it would be, my father served in the Air Force. My grandfather nice. served in the Army. And I was sent to a military school to become uh, a Fodgie, an army officer. I was choosing to to be an Air Force pilot because uh, that's what, you know, my dad was in the Air Force. And I went and trained at a military school uh, in in Karnataka, of all places, uh, was sent from Jodhpur. And for me, uh, I think that was, uh, those were very, very important years of my life. And for a range of reasons, largely medical, uh, I could not choose the Indian Air Force as a career or the Indian Air Force didn't want me. Uh, and I stumbled into mm-hmm. a corporate career. Uh, it oh, was, okay. In fact, when I was graduating from high school, mm-hmm. I did not even know that something like the IIT existed oh. or there was something like an IIM. For me, the only place that existed and that was worth going to was the National Defense Academy in Pune or the Indian Military Academy, or the Indian Air Force Academy in Hyderabad. So we had, you know, it was that sort of myopia. And, and as you sort of progress through that journey, you realize that there is another world. Uh, and that world is uh, equally exciting. So hmm. I, I literally stumbled into a corporate career. Wow. I was fortunate to have worked with some of the finest people and some of the finest organizations in some of the finest locations uh, in the world. nice. nice. We lived internationally, Cyprus, Egypt, mm-hmm. Dubai, and then Oxford and London and so on and so forth. So all of that was great. Um, Learned an enormous amount, both uh, in terms of cultural exchanges, but also um running organization, complex organization. These were all large multinational organizations. And I was fairly young uh, when I was given, <laughs> I, I believe, at that point in time... Um, uh, responsibilities that I wasn't ready for, I wasn't even capable of. But someone thought that I was ready to be a chief executive or a nice. CEO, and uh, and I didn't even know what it meant to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, yes, and that too in a in a in an international setting. So all of that was great. Uh, it provided a lot of learning, a lot of experiences, a lot of introspection. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed, uh, Venky, to have a wonderful family uh, that has always been by my side. Very nice. Even though I might have let them down occasionally. <laughs> um, but but uh, I'm blessed. And um, I've known my wife for longer than I can remember. Uh, we were neighbors and childhood friends and then we got married. So, uh, so, so, so uh, having blessed, being blessed with a family, having been blessed with a fantastic set of people I worked with across countries, geographies, organizations, I felt very fulfilled. Nice. But then, uh, that when, when you have that kind of fulfillment, hmm. you probably you ask yourself that question, and I'm 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 probably just thinking, uh, uh, and and I and I'm not saying this thinking is complete. That maybe when you are put into two extreme situations, of extreme fulfillment mm-hmm. or extreme anxiety, mm-hmm. you begin to think what next. <laughs> when you are somewhere in the middle of these two, Very you probably continue with where you are.
0: Very interesting.
1: So I was not in an extreme anxiety situation. I was in an extreme fulfillment situation, and uh, then I said, and then there was this wonderful moment of truth, and I like to talk about it, and I'll share it with you as well. Is that um, when I one day I was sitting in my office and I was thinking, you know, this okay. is great. You know, you are um, you are working with the finest people, working with some of the finest brands. Right. Uh, we were designing the London Olympics at that time, and. Wow. and those wonderful things were happening Um, and when I used to come home I used to often think I have this habit of writing a journal uh, and one day I was thinking about you know all this is great I'm doing this but often I think of what would I do when I retire and what does retirement mean and of course you know in that uh, milieu you're also talking about early retirement and uh, trying to do something what's next but the thought that came to me that one that morning uh, was what if what would I do if I never retired Wow, so instead of thinking, what would I do when i retire, when i retired, the question that probably changed my life, not definitely changed my life, i think was what would I do today if I never retired and the inspiration for it came from a very interesting episode, and if you allow me the one minute indulgence absolutely um, these were obviously days before. Uh, or smartphones weren't what they are today. So this was 2010, 11. That period, mm-hmm. uh, and we were watching it. There's a film I like to watch, uh, and that, and I've seen it probably a, a larger number of times than I can remember. It's called sholay and <laughs> and I was watching Shirley on internet or YouTube okay, or okay. whatever it was. And as you know, that when you finish uh, some, watching something, YouTube prompts you to okay. look at other thing. And I'd finished watching Sholay for the umpteenth time, uh, listening to those songs and uh, mouthing those dialogues, that a little clip of A.K. Hangul, who's a character in Shole, right, uh, featured on YouTube. And that was a short interview where A.K. Hangul is much older and he's sitting on a set with full makeup and regalia on. And the interviewer asked him that question, uh, Mr. Hangul, what is it that brings you to these sets? You are frail. Uh, you are weak. You obviously are not in the pink of your health, right. but you make this journey sitting in the... And A.K. Hangul said, you know what? There's only one thing that I think of. I want to die with my boots on. Wow. My body may have retired. Wow. I haven't. And for me, that really, I, I took that thought to bed. And when I woke up in the morning, that question was staring at me. And the question was, what would I do today if I never retired? And that's when I started thinking about reorienting my life, and now I have this wonderful portfolio life that I truly, truly enjoy. My you, apologies for this very, very no, long no, process.
0: very beautiful, very, very inspired. very, very inspiring, beautiful, beautiful. So, so then, then I'm going to straight away jump into uh, your your current uh, dream life, if I may call it, or aspirational life. Uh, Akshay Patra Foundation. Uh, obviously, a lot of people know about it. Global organization. But uh, Bhavani, I want you to share with the listeners some of the details of this huge organization and some of the things that people really don't know. You know, and, and it's so much good work happening. But, but some of the things that you believe uh, are not obvious or apparent.
1: Thank you, Venki. Patra literally means um, a limitless spot of food. That's yes. what it means in Sanskrit. For those of us who are familiar with the language, it will come naturally. But... Yes. For A lot of people, it means uh, quite a complex name. So, Akshaya means limitless, and Patra is the root of the word pot. Right. That's where the word pot comes from, Patra. And therefore, it is uh, an organization that uh, owes its nomenclature to um, a, a mythological tale in the Mahabharata. Uh, Draupadi was to have fed the Pandavas, and the um, she ran out of food because she had to feed an entourage, and she had no food. She offered the vessel. Um, to the skies and, uh, you know, Pat came the reply that this pot of food will only run out once you have eaten. So uh, that pot of food was Akshay Patra. May your vessel never run out of food because you want to do this to serve other people. And that I think was the inspiration behind Akshay Patra. Today Akshay Patra Patra does, uh, I, I really believe, incredible work. We mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> serve close to 1.8 more than 1.8 million close to 2 million meals children every single day uh, wow. we've been doing it for a long time we have a program running in India and we have a program running in the UK where we feed a large number of homeless school, children out of school uh, non-term time and we are progressing some of these initiatives rapidly but the idea behind Akshay Patra is not just to serve food we could have served this food anywhere um, this is not a food provision organization. Okay. The purpose behind Akshaya Patra is to use food as an agent for dramatic social and individual change. Beautiful. So, to me, uh, we've never stated it as one of our taglines, or but right. the reason why we get out there is that Akshaya Patra is an organization uh, that has the capability, the evidence, and the vision to eliminate social inequity in one generation wow! and use a plate of food to make that happen. So in Akshay Patra, we now have multiple evidences of a child who was four or five or six, even seven generations illiterate. And in one generation is training to become an astrophysicist, a scientist, and there are many doctors and and choreographers and chefs and name it. And and accountants and business people in one generation. So how do we catapult wow. this this cycle of poverty? How do we, otherwise, unfortunately, there is enough evidence, Venki, in the world today that poverty perpetuates and yes. we band aid poverty. Yes. And, th- and there is enough evidence of it. The, if you look at the 16 SDGs that the United Nations have, number one is still poverty. Correct. Number two, we're still solving for hunger. After hundreds of years of multilateral institutions yeah. and development where the global GDP has galloped away, our problems by and large remain the same. And to me, that's not a world that, uh, that I just want to sit passively and enjoy. To me, it's important that we put in place initiatives, whether it is my work with with Akshay Patra or with the other foundations I run, uh, Adhya, and I'm also involved with uh, a Women Empowerment um, and and a program called the Vedika Scholars Program for Women, which is essentially designed to make dramatic change at speed, at scale, with urgency, and using innovation as a very, very strong driver of that change. And Akshay Patra, to me, is a fantastic exemplar because uh, it's a food manufacturing NGO and that in itself is an oxymoron. It's an NGO that works in the manufacturing world. Uh, So you have to comply with all of the standards and systems and perhaps even more of a Kellogg or a Master Foods or an ITC. And you do it to make uh, change in the society. So it's a fantastic combination of uh, wonderful engineering, outstanding management principles, and a very, very purposive way of living. So we often call it uh, amongst ourselves that Akshay Patra is uh, uh, an organization where you have to deploy the mind of a corporate and the heart of service. I think we cook upwards of 600 tons of rice every day and make, uh, I don't know, how many tens of millions of chapatis and do it in a way that each plate of food is hot, freshly prepared, nutritious, and is prepared to a cost economics that is unprecedented. Uh, in the world so in less than $15 a child is served meals for an entire school year wow and I, I don't think there is any program in the world that can claim to do so so when someone donates $15 a child receives meals for an, an entire school year and that's also possible because of the various innovative methods including funding including right. deployment of resources that uh, that we do um, in this organization so very grateful and extremely proud
0: brilliant so uh, would i be would i be okay in saying it all starts with a plate of
1: food huh? it all starts uh, with a plate of food and really? i think um, it's it's not just uh, to me food is very interesting it is the lowest common denominator Correct. everyone needs it Correct. but it's also the highest common factor Absolutely. It is the one thing that can transform your life. Absolutely. And uh, often it is food, air, and the way we think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if we breathe properly, if we eat properly, there is a good chance that we'll think and do properly and which will allow us to experience our very own best version of ourselves it and is, uh, be spiritual Lovely. without having to go to the Himalayas. Lovely, Bhavani. Uh, I
0: want to jump a little deeper into this. Uh, you know, you you're working on a mission to feed 5 million children. And and I want the listeners to hold on to their chairs because 5 million children in India by 2025 and 100,000 meals in the UK. I mean, these are staggering statistics. Please let us in on it. I mean, a lot of people probably aren't even aware that there are so many people actually going hungry. Please let us in on it.
1: Look, um, amazing paradox we find ourselves in Mm Venki that there is enough food in the world for everyone but not everyone has enough. Really? Really? And that's the paradox. Yeah. And many, many years ago, one uh, one of the corporate leaders I really, really admire gave me this line and I use it liberally, is that it's great to be faced with paradoxes because when you resolve them, you create breakthroughs. So paradoxes shouldn't hold you back. They should empower you to create something that, is truly only when we resolve a paradox have we made a dramatic breakthrough. And I think um, I'm grateful for that that piece of wisdom. So um, this is the paradox that there is enough food in the world, but not enough for everybody. Around the world, we are faced with a situation where millions of people still today are going hungry. And if I add the layer of poor nutrition, then that's multiples of millions yeah sometimes in our quest for solving for hunger we have created a nutrition problem oh okay so i you know and this is very very facetious of me i I do realize it (laughs) but half the world is hungry and the other half is malnourished oh my god so they're either obese or so they may not be hungry but they are Completely malnourished. They they're not necessarily um, nourished with nutrition. So that this is a global problem. It's not just a third world yeah, yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, There is. And, and increasingly, the third world and the first world, these are constructs of um, of perhaps geography and maybe a little bit of economics, but they're not human constructs. There is enough of the third world in the first world and there is enough of the first world in the third world. So the problem of hunger and hunger as a driver of poverty is a universal and perhaps a global problem. The number, exception of maybe a few countries in the Scandinavia and perhaps parts of uh, Switzerland, we have this problem everywhere. We have this problem in Italy, we have this problem in France, we certainly have this problem in Southeast Asia and some of the largest G7 countries in the world. And at Akshay Patra, we know we have a program in India which we uh, are running with speed and at scale. So although it's, it's a, another interesting uh, conundrum that... Uh, Akshay Patra is the world's largest organization of its kind, Mm -hmm. but operates in only one country and has under 2% market share. Oh my goodness. So an organization with under 2% market share in one country is the largest program of its kind in the world. And that in itself tells you how fragmented and how deep the problem is. My goodness. And that's the reason why when we say we want to feed 5 million children by 2025 in India and get up to a very large number of meals in the UK in our near-term horizon, uh, we are not necessarily looking at something which which brings in monumental change. It's still chipping away at a problem that is way bigger. Oh, my God. Than what we, we realize it to be or <laughs> uh, let alone perceive it to be.
0: Oh, my goodness. I. I've been reading up a little bit and one of the things I really liked among a lot of the stuff you do is your Beat the Hunger Program. You want to tell us a little bit about this initiative?
1: So uh, Beat the Hunger Program is a program that we launched in the UK because we realized two things. One is that uh, hunger is prevalent here in worse ways than what we may have experienced in uh, some other parts of the world. In other words, the, the relative disparity between someone who is suffering from hunger and someone who isn't, is quite severe. Um, in other words, polarization is, is quite severe. So that, that was one. The other thing we realized is uh, let's not solve for hunger because sometimes in solving for hunger, we create a nutrition problem. Right. So solving for hunger doesn't mean that we feed children and families food. That isn't food that might only physiologically classify as food. In other words, we need to make sure that we provide enough nutrition. And it's, it's fascinating that when we look at nutrition or hunger um, through our lenses uh, of uh, development, we look at nutrition as purely something that happens neonatal or prenatal, mm-hmm. and we believe if a child is not stunted or wasted, right. everything else will just fall in place. So hmm. our nutrition initiatives around the world uh, largely are focused around eliminating or reducing stunting and wasting uh, under the age of three, largely. For, for me, the realization was that you may be born well, so you're not stunted or wasted, but by the time you're 14, you're seriously malnourished. My God. Even though some of the indicators of, uh, of body mass or whatever we use Seem to indicate otherwise. Yeah. And that's the reason why we said, let's beat this hunger. Okay, Let's beat hunger in a way that goes beyond beating hunger. It really instills the right value of, uh, of nutrition. Because uh, we, we believe, uh, Venki, that food is contextual. If, for example, you are a pregnant or a lactating mom, you'll be told what to eat. If you are training to be an athlete, you'll be told what to eat. If you are recovering from an illness, you'll be told what to eat. If you're an aging senior, you'll be told what to eat. Food in our science, and our systems, whether it's Ayurveda or whether it's any of the natural systems, was always serving a context. And we have forgotten the context. For us, a child in a classroom is a context. What kind of food a child would need in that context? We know that it should be low on testosterone, low on bile, low on estrogen, high on oxygenation. It should allow the brain to think a little bit better. It doesn't mean that that food needs to be eaten all the time. But if you're in that context, what food should you you be eating? Should you be eating sausages and mash? Should you be eating food that is deep fried? Because it will put you to sleep. And for me, the work that I was doing with Adhyayan also made me realize that you could create the best infrastructure in a school. You could put ergonomic furniture, paint walls orange, put cushions on all chairs, train the teachers, bring in the best technology in the classroom, right. but the child is falling asleep because if, 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 in, if infrastructure... Or money would have created the best educational outcomes. The best funded schools would produce the happiest and healthiest children. And we just have to look around us to realize that that correlation doesn't exist. So what truly empowers the mind is what you put into the body in that context. And if we serve that context well via food, even with inadequate infrastructure, the child will learn better. Right. And for me, that was a deep, deep insight. Yeah, and that truly is the focus of Akshay Patra, in beating hunger, rightfully in the right context, not just putting food in a plate or on a table.
0: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Very nice, very nice, Bhavani.
0: You know, a little while back, you spoke about you know uh, the, the logistics or the or the enormity of of what you guys do. Right, uh, six hundred tons of rice a few million chapatis a day, you know, and and you are a global organization with your leadership. You're working on such an impactful um, initiative of feeding millions. Obviously, uh, considering that it is food, it comes with a very high risk ratio. So as an organization and as, as, as a leader, how do you minimize or in some cases even mitigate the risks?
1: Well, we have a fantastic team beginning with the team we have fantastic team we have outstanding leadership shridhar venkat who runs our india programs and um, and and what they bring in what the team brings in is the science along with the passion to do things right so you use iso systems our kitchens uh, deploy the finest technologies uh, that we can deploy today and our partnerships with whether it is uh, Accenture, whether it is with Cisco or whether it is with large organizations that want to really use technology as a force for good uh, and consulting, you know, whether it's... uh, So we are blessed to have amazing partnerships which allow us to introduce blockchain, in our supply chain systems. Um, Artificial intelligence, we use advanced engineering, we use ISO. uh, We also comply with the the standards around auditing, financial systems. Uh, uh, Akshay Patra is fortunate to also receive the award for a great place to work. Oh, lovely. Three years in a row. So all of these things that make for a good organization are foundational to Akshay Patra. So the fact that we do charitable work is the reason for our existence. The method still complies with beating, with with some of the best that we have in the world and and we aspire to beat those benchmarks. Whether it is how we account for monies or whether we have oil or machinery, whether we introduce Kaizen, good manufacturing practices, ISO standards, uh, energy management, waste management, uh, supply chain optimization, procurement systems, <laughs> forecasting demand, all of that is a method uh, that, uh, that empowers us and really propels us to do as best as we possibly can. Beautiful. And, and while we all
0: know uh, elephants can dance, please tell us how do you guys, being so big, manage to be agile and flexible in your operations? Obviously, it is more than just technology, and uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wish you know thank you, there was a secret. I wish there was a secret sauce. Uh, I <laughs> wish there was this that that I could hide behind and patent and um, and create some nice mythological stories around. Um, but I think there is there are a couple of things. Uh, I must admit, one is that the organisation has a very strong spiritual core. Uh, okay. We are not. Uh, uh, the spiritual core is really not to do with, it's really nothing to do with religion. Right. It's to do with why we exist as human beings uh, and why should we really bring our very best uh, as an interface to the world. And that is easier said than done. Yes. Right? Uh, particularly in today's world where we are seeing all forms of, uh, of struggle right. with uh, purpose and reason and, and existence. So that's one. I think for us, that is very, very important Mm -hmm. to to be utmost honest, utmost committed, and utmost disciplined. Right. Uh, The other thing is, uh, and to me, that is fascinating because in my corporate life, I really struggled with it. We often said this. My brief to the HR team was always this, but we really found it very difficult to deploy it. And that was, how do we um, hire for attitude and train for skill? The Uh world does it the other way around. Yes. It hires for skill and then tries to give people a purpose. It doesn't work. (laughs) Right? So you are hired because you can run an ERP program. You are hired because you have a particular degree. You are hired because you've done the same job before. Correct. You are hired with the myopia of years of experience, whether it is the same thing repeated um, 20 years uh, ad nauseum, right? So the world actually hires for skill and then struggles... To, to embellish that skill with the attitude that is required for the organization, what we call organization culture. Correct. I think at Akshay Patra, without really over-engineering it, and perhaps because we are very frugal, perhaps we just, because we don't have the resources, we simply hire for attitude. Beautiful. Is your heart in the right place? Yeah. And then we say, okay, what skills can we give you? And of course, some skills we can't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't know how to operate computers, you can probably teach them how to operate computers. But but if you don't have coding skills, we're not going to put you into something that requires coding. But we do have people in the organization who were trained to be doctors and are running engineering operations. Wow. So my general manager for operations Mm -hmm. in the United Kingdom, Mm -hmm. uh, who's charged with delivering hundreds of thousands of meals, Mm -hmm. is a trained doctor. How interesting. Uh, and uh, the work he does is to do with sound engineering. <laughs> wow. I, I applaud him, actually. I respect him for it. <laughs> right? So I think that is truly, if they, I don't know whether it's a secret sauce, but it yeah. fascinates me. I enjoy it very much. That sometimes, you know, uh, if you've trained yourselves with a skill, I'm not entirely sure when we decided to train ourselves with that skill, whether we were fully equipped to really align ourselves with that skill or the skill was just an accident uh, or just um, uh, a way of um, of being in, in a country like India, particularly where everyone wants to be successful and success means getting a degree ahead of the others and, yeah. and so on and so forth. So, um, so I think that's, these are the two things. One is that we are very, very purposive. And secondly, our team is really focused on on uh, on attitude. And then, of course, you have to do it. We are doing, like I said, we are an engineering or sure. <laughs> manufacturing NGO. Sure. So you have to have, you just can't turn around and say, oh, sorry, this will happen. No, <laughs> you require skills as well. Um, but it's an interesting combination of the two. Yeah, awesome.
0: Okay, I, I now want to get to the personal side of uh, Bhavani a little bit. Um, you know, uh, you, you personally, Bhavani, I know, I know it, that you abide by a very strong, or you hold yourself to a very strong value model. Uh, would you be willing to share with the listeners? And this, I'm talking about your personal side.
1: I think, yeah, um, don't know what to share, but uh, I will say this. I think, you know, uh, we have only one reason to be on this world. We are all born geniuses. It's very hard to be a human being, and I'm talking uh, biology, not philosophy. It's uh, or physiology, it takes a lot of effort to be a human being. And once uh, we are a human being, uh, then why do we struggle with human becoming? Why do we have to become a CEO? Why do we have to become a doctor Mm -hmm. or an engineer? Mm -hmm. How about being? And to be requires you to really, really explore what your genius is, and then your activities lead towards finding an interface for that genius. So the purpose of human life to me, which is a very strong value system that I hold, mm-hmm. is to believe that you're born with phenomenal capabilities. But mm-hmm. your purpose is to really find an interface to execute those capabilities wow. so that you can, you can face up to the big questions
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, whilst you are engaging with that interface. Mm-hmm. Because I think the big questions that we have in life can only be deferred. They can never be denied Correct. one day. Correct. One day, we will be asked that question. Absolutely. As to why um, did you lead your life the way you did? And then do we have time and ability on our side? <laughs> or, uh, or, or we don't. So I think those, those few bits are really anchors in my value system, venki uh, Awesome. And I'm not entirely sure whether they're right or wrong. It's just that they are very important to me. Awesome. Awesome.
0: And, and do you ask yourself that question if not every morning at least once a week or once a month uh, or is it now natural to you does it come
1: cliche as it might be i think it's it's now a, the way of reading from life that um, you know we talk about honesty we talk about integrity, yeah, integrity. we talk about purpose right. Correct. and they're, they are not they are not really pursuits to me they're outcomes right so therefore, what is the pursuit? The pursuit is to really engage with those thoughts and belief that uh, that if you were to engage with life in this manner, everything else will fall in place. Beautiful. Regardless of how you want it to fall in place, the outcome is something that you will enjoy. It will either enlighten you, empower you, educate you, make you feel happy or all of the above. Right? So... The outcome is less material, is less uh, contextual even, less important. What truly is, has your pursuit been honest, diligent, and um, and full of life's exciting challenges? Awesome. I think if, if you start ring-fencing the pursuit, your outcomes will be yeah. suboptimal. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Right? Oh. So, so I'd rather not ring-fence the outcomes or the pursuits. I would simply say, you know, this is like breath. You want to breathe well. Right. And let the body then yeah. use the oxygen in the best possible way. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: You, you speak about a term, a word, uh, and you've already spoken about it several times in our podcast. That's something I learned. I've never used that word, but I learned it and I'm going to start using it. Uh, and I'm now going to ask you about it. Purposive focus. And I like it. And, and I, I looked up and I said, my God, this is deep. So, so, so share, share with us. Uh, and I've I've learnt it the first time when I read up on you, uh, Bhavani.
1: So, so if I use it <laughs> anywhere, I will give you credit for it. So. Thank you, Vikki. You're, <laughs> you're just being kind and generous. No, no, no. Really, care. I mean uh, it. I mean it. Um, I think you know what. What is purposive focus? I think of focus is really uh, this this ultimate sense of honesty with yourselves. Okay. To me. If we look at ourselves in the mirror, and I don't mean the proverbial physiology of yeah. the image in the mirror, mm-hmm. but if we look at our, ourselves in the mirror and we come up with zero judgment, zero guilt, and zero regret, um, that activity is 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 worth engaging in. Wow. So, to me, purposive focus is really a pursuit where you know why it is important for you to do the the way you do things and go about your life and then to be relentless about it so the purpose truly is an explanation of uh, why it makes sense to you right and and the focus is really about putting in every ounce of energy effort and resource that you have and you can access so to me focus is not just about doing your best it's also about harnessing the best and when you bind the two together, you are almost, you know, catapulted into this, uh, this amazing journey of purpose. And mm-hmm. that's really where your pursuit is, uh, is of far greater importance than the outcome. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, who has been your inspiration, Vani? Who or what? <laughs> I wish I could answer that very succinctly, Venki. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, a lot of it is to do with your upbringing. Uh, I think as people, I would, I would be, I think every single day, I pray and thank and in deepest gratitude to my grandparents. Oh, nice. Uh, both my grandparents were exceptional people. Uh, and I was, I'm just very pleased and, and grateful to have been in their tutelage. Uh, when I was young, even though I physically did not spend much time with them. I Like I said, I went to an army training boarding school very, very early in my life, um, right. 10 years old, and I'm around that time. Um, but during, during the holidays. And to really have that in the most rural of settings, I was born in a small village, uh, and uh, rural life was a big part of... Uh, I spent my first few years in, in, in a small village, went to school there, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that tethering to the earth and the values of uh, a pristineness uh, with my grandfathers, and both my grandfathers were very interesting people. They were extremely, extremely uh, well-accomplished. So wow. my 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 grandfather, my father's father was a Sardar Bahadur, OBI, MBE, wow. two military crosses, did the kind of things that we only see in Second World War movies, you oh know, like uh, escaping from a PAW camp and really oh living for uh, and then using wow. all of that to really serve the nation uh, in, wow. in the most elegant possible ways and still be tethered to the earth without having to flout any of those promises. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Would donate the income he got because of his complete uh, valor medals to a goshala and literally oh. tell me that uh, what we have is a gift which we must go back uh, which which must go back to the people who help us enjoy those gifts. So I think those values uh, yeah. were very so these two things I think and and of course you know my teachers I was really really privileged to have some of the finest teachers uh, that anyone could have. These were people who left a, a very, very strong impression on me, whether it was my high school days, whether it was my military school days, or whether it was my, uh, my university professors. So I think a combination of family, my grandparents, and of course my parents goes without saying, my, right. my immediate family, extended family. And fortunately, the most amazing colleagues you know, I was very, very fortunate to work in organizations that were truly multicultural. At one point in time, when we were in the Middle East, we had people, I think in the office from about 30 nationalities yes,
0: Right.
1: Uh, and you would know what I, what I mean. So on the 14th of August, we would celebrate Pakistan. Pakistan in the 15th of August, we would celebrate Indian Independence Day, we would celebrate. We had difficulty saying what holiday should we declare Correct. in the office. So we, yes. You know, all of those things are fascinating to have colleagues uh, who who define the world very differently for you to have experienced multiculturalism in a way that is truly, truly uh, uh, indicative of the wonderful unity, the one world that we live in and family and being tethered to the earth. So, uh, like I said, I, I wish I was more succinct. Oh, this uh, is great. I'm just grateful for all of these influences. Yes. Without these influences... I can uh, see that. I can see that. Uh, it's not one source of tap, clearly. It's it's from several... Oh. And no, I wish, and I don't think, I also don't believe that, I think you you could have maybe one or two major influences at different parts in life, at different contexts yes. in life. Yes. But as you look at it over a long period of time, you yes. realize that yes. one has to be grateful for all kinds of influences Absolutely. because every influence teaches you in in multiple ways. Absolutely. Uh, your light bulb moment. <laughs> I think the light bulb moment was what I referred to earlier was that one question that what would I do today if I never had to retire it's awesome and you're living it uh, Bhavani. that's kind of you to say that but no, I think really? it's a fascinating and it's, I, I strongly advocate that we must all ask ourselves this question because one day this question will be asked of us and would we struggle for an answer then Or would we have at least navigated the journey with the question? Whether or not we have the answer is a different thing altogether. Uh, To me, questions transform people and lives more than answers do. So engaging with questions is fantastic, is one of the best things that we can ever do. So to me, that question was, you know, we always think I'll do this then, I'll do this then, I'll do this then. But then, you know, we, we also realized that why would we want to do something that we deeply want to do when our body and mind are by design degenerating. So, yes. when we are not at our best, why would we then want to engage with something that truly, truly gives us the most joy? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense, does it? So, um, what would we do today that would not take us through the progression of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, simple. Retirement, what yeah. would you do after retirement? So.
0: Awesome. When you wake up every morning, um, I know you work for a global organization, great family. What is it within you or within your head that gives you
1: hope? So for me, you know, my my morning meditation is is very morning glasses of water, meditation, that little routine of doing a few Surya Namaskars, um, being grateful, prayer of gratitude, uh, just do a little bit of uh, physical gratitude as well as mental gratitude. And yeah, so that's my that's my inspiration and sets me up. Beautiful, gives me hope. Beautiful, Uh, you know, uh, organizations—it's really nice—and and and
0: people on a personal level as well. uh, Leaders, uh, Bhavani, and you've been a leader at various levels, globally, regionally, are actually facing challenges today. Thank you know, really due to this unfortunate pandemic that's hit everybody across. uh, What would be your advice or message to them in these times? And and we all know or are aware that this is going to continue for some more time. But typically, what would your advice be
1: to? It's very hard to give advice, Venki, uh, and I don't think okay. I'm in any position to advise, mm-hmm. but I can probably suggest or pontificate. Okay. Um, so a mix of the two. And I think what's really important is for us to stay away from clutter. Okay. And to me, the clutter is of three kinds. Uh, there is physical clutter, which we all know. Yes. There is emotional clutter. There is digital clutter. Yes. And there is uh, probably spiritual clutter as well. So uh, this is, the pandemic should be seen as an opportunity for us to declutter. Because very soon, clutter becomes garbage and garbage leads to toxicity. Yeah. Declutter. And I think the reason why probably we have the pandemic is because of the clutter that we have pursued. Yeah. Whether we wanted to have a few things too quickly, uh, where it came from, how it traveled, all of that notwithstanding. I think uh, pandemics or problems are a signal to us that we aren't doing right by the world, in the world, and for the world. So so therefore, let's all declutter.
0: Yeah, seriously, <laughs> let's start with that. And I want to ask, flip this question over. The best piece of advice
1: somebody has given you? The best piece of advice somebody has given me yeah. is really find a way to smile <laughs> in the most adverse situations. And if you cannot smile outwardly, can you at least smile inwardly?
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Very sensible. Whoever told you that? Seriously, man. Seriously. We forget to do it so many times. Very, very, very nice.
1: Yeah. So if it is inappropriate, and it is often, uh, yeah. there are times when it's yeah. inappropriate to smile outwardly. Correct. But can you at least smile inwardly and that is an amazing practice, so <laughs> I think when I try to smile inwardly, you know your being lights up <laughs> actually you, you <laughs> yes know. that is that absolutely, is probably absolutely absolutely yeah. So yeah. probably that was the one best uh, the best piece of advice, and amongst many many other people yeah 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 i'm, I'm sure if I'm... i start if I start looking at my cup of gratitude, I probably need more cups than atoms in the planet very nice, uh, nice. So, yeah, I have nothing but gratitude for all of the things that have come my way. Very nice. Uh, you know, um, I, uh,
0: we're coming to the close of this uh, podcast. I want to do a rapid fire with you, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, right, that's scary. Okay. No, no, no. It's, it's uh, Your view, basically, on all of this so hunger? Completely avoidable. Akshay Patra is?
1: Inspiration. Oh, that is nice. Purpose? Inviolable. Something that you shouldn't live without. Yeah. Okay. Food is? Happiness. Sounds so simple, isn't it? Wow. Social entrepreneur? A must. Every organization is a so. Every enterprise is a social enterprise. Every organization, whether it's a Unilever, Procter & Gamble, GE, Nestle, they always say we exist to create something beautiful in the world. But I hope that that beautiful is not selling more of their product only. Yeah. So every enterprise must be a social enterprise. And Bhavani Singh shekhawat is? Um, hopefully a human being on a purposive journey. Very nice. A last question before we
0: sign off, uh, really. And, and this is more a, a shout out than... I mean, you, you guys are doing some phenomenal work. I've, I've been personally, not involved, I would say, but I've been um, engaged in some meaningful ways with Akshaya Patra and with some of the good work you've been doing while I was in Bangalore. Even otherwise, I have friends. Uh, you're doing so much work and I, while I understand you are well-funded and you know, you, you guys are...
1: Uh, have no, we're not well-funded. We are, I think, uh, we struggle with, okay. with being well-funded uh, and we could do a lot more because okay. for us, funding is again a means. You know, right. we, could, we could definitely do a lot more if we had the right resources at the right time. But uh, yes, uh, I think all of our efforts help us with access to funds as and when we need them
0: so please so please could you please share a little more with the listeners on how is it if there are people wanting to help or wanting to contribute what can they do is there a site is there a phone number is oh, yeah. there there
1: is uh, there, are, there is a website tapf.org.uk uh, which is what we have in the uk www.tapf tapf is the akshayapatra foundation.org.uk or you can if you live in india then uh, you could look up akshayapatra.org uh, and then we also have a chapter in the United States, which is um, uh, foodforeducation.com. So uh, just just try and look up these websites. In respect, so if you are in Europe, Middle East, or um, mm. or, or uh, Africa, look up tapf.org.uk. If you are in India, look up akshapatra.org. Or North America, look up uh, foodforeducation.com. Um, and you will learn a lot more about the work we do. Um you learn more about the ways in which you can engage we value your time uh, more than anything else That's so if you can find 2 hours to spare in a week with akshay patra then we'd welcome it we'd use your skills we'd use your network we'd we'd, we'd learn with uh, with you on this journey so uh, so yes please please we have hundreds of uh, volunteer chapters, uh, including one in Switzerland. And if you are somewhere in Europe or the Middle East and wanting to set up a chapter, please reach out to me and uh, we'll definitely find ways to work together. Oh, beautiful. Wow, that,
0: that's really awesome. And and I'm saying this because, you know, you mentioned in the podcast that all it costs is $15 to feed a kid going to school for a year. Am I right?
1: Yes. And not the, the $15 or £12 or, uh, you know, 2,000 odd rupees or 1,000 odd rupees, um, will not only allow this child to receive meals, but that is the reason in many cases they go to school. So this, this combination of accessing food, contextually correct, appropriate food, along with education is truly what sets us apart. So you're empowering, you're enabling food and education. And of course, along with it, Akshapatra also has a range of other programs. We call them Beyond Meals. So we have a scholarship program. We have a mentoring program. We have all kinds of skills initiatives. We, different parts of the countries in the world, we run different programs. For example, in the UK, we run a homeless uh, and people who are living in food poverty program. We are going to introduce something for the aging seniors here because that is what the demographics involve. In the northeast of India, we run full schools. So, depending on what the requirement of that particular topography might be, there are other things that we do as well. So, if you are a sports person, we will engage with you to bring uh, some of those skills. If you are uh, something, someone who likes to engage with science and technology, and so basically, uh, we welcome your time because that is the only currency we. have. Beautiful. Very, very well said. And and it's all
0: actually it's so little. It's probably less than what we spend on coffee every month.
1: Exactly. And I'm serious. It's seriously. so $15, 12 pounds can enable more than 250 meals, can therefore propel a year of education and really, really allow the child to be the very, very best version of themselves. And that's why we say with $15, 12 pounds, or that little money, you could actually give every dream a chance. Yeah. Very true. Very true. This is wonderful, uh, Bhavani. Thank you very much. You
0: know, am, and I'm so glad I spoke to you uh, while it was a very nice and breezy conversation. You have uh, lit more questions inside of me and the purpose of my existence more than ever before. Uh, as it is, I was a confused human being. Now, <laughs> now, with so many from you and no, but seriously, I think we all need to really see. And if there are organizations like you who have done it, have set up the platform, all we need to do is probably keep it running to make sure that uh, millions of kids go to school and, and come out as better human beings and we live in a better world. we I think we owe that, like your grandfather said, we really owe it to the society. Uh, thank Absolutely. you. Thank you so for thank
1: coming. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your very, very generous uh, questions. And thank you for the opportunity. And really appreciate the time that all the listeners have put in to listen to this blabber. Much appreciate. Deeply grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.